So hello and welcome to episode eight of the Salad Cast for this season with myself, Glenn Price, and joined as usual by Ollie Warner. Um, yeah, I suppose it's a bit of an interesting one this week, Ollie. It's been two weeks since we did a podcast and there's a hell of a lot happened in the world of Shrewsbury Town and the world of football, mate. Yeah, it's a busy agenda, plenty to talk about. <laughs> um, nice finally to have a win to talk about in the league, so that makes a refreshing change. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think we're all happy at this point in time. So yeah, plenty of discussion points. And obviously... We could probably tell from listening to the audio, we're recording this one on Skype this week, Ollie, and um, we wanted to get a guest on. We were talking about it for a few weeks, and obviously COVID doesn't seem to be going anywhere positive at the moment, so we're probably going to be stuck with doing Skype sessions for guests. But um, we've got someone who's been on a couple of times over the last couple of months, Chris Hudson on, who obviously watched yesterday's game and um, probably has a fair bit to talk about. So yeah, welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Cheers, good to be back. And yeah, I guess, Ollie, we, we should, I don't know, where do we start this this week, really? I guess we've got um, the Wimbledon game to talk about. We've got, um, you know, various things have been changed. In football. I don't know. I don't know. Is there any kind of headline you want to start with, Ollie, really at the moment? So we did do um we often know saying, is there any questions from um for the podcast? And we did have one in from Tom and he says, Do you regret doing a Shrewsbury Town podcast? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, given, I, given, I, given how dire the football is and what we have to cover all these weeks. Well, I've always said on this podcast, haven't I, that doing a doing a podcast about Shrewsbury Town is cathartic. It's you know, particularly when it's worse if anything because you can kind of have a chat on a, on a Sunday night with you and whoever else we get on and kind of put it to bed really for the rest of the week and it doesn't niggle with you anymore but um I don't regret doing this I absolutely I absolutely love doing it I know you do the same Ollie and um yeah it, it doesn't matter the football can be good or bad and and kind of the, the good thing about this podcast is it kind of follows the ups and downs doesn't it so I don't regret it at all I think it's one of the best things I've done over the years cool cool so um yeah <laughs> we thought we'd start so this week we'll do um transfer window and we'll cover the game and it's always worth having, especially if you've got a guest on, let's have a little discussion about where um, Sam Ricketts is. He's, you know, he's managed 65 um, league games now. Um, this We normally mm. kind of give the manager 10 games, but we're five games in now. I think it's fair to have a bit of discussion about where the manager is at the moment. Um, I've got a question I'd like to ask you guys when we get to that point. But yeah, I guess maybe worth it to start with the transfer window. Cummings from the spot, scores! 2-1! So, um, transfer window. Transfer window closed on Friday at 5 p.m. Um, it was a really exciting transfer window final day because um, nothing happened. Um, we thought maybe we might have at least maybe one coming in, uh, maybe a left back, uh, when we thought we might see a couple of players maybe leave. Um, but um, yeah, there was no players coming in. So to do this, kind of keep this efficient and kind of keep this quick, uh, we thought we'd do a couple of positives each, a couple of negatives each. Um, and yeah, let's start with you, Chris. What's your kind of view of this 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 transfer window? Uh, well, a couple of positives. I'm going to go for a couple of names, actually. We've brought in quite a few players, obviously. Uh, positives for me, Leon Clark. I think uh, that gives us some experience up front. And obviously, we saw the first benefit of that yesterday with his winning goal to nab us three points. And then the other one for me is probably the one of the unexpected successes I've seen so far from the new faces in Scott High, who to me looks like one hell of a little player. And you know, credit to the manager, or at least credit to the management team, because I think that one's down more to Dean Whitehead than it is to Sam. But he spotted a player there who's clearly got some potential. And I think we're probably going to see a lot more of him this season than I maybe expected. So, yeah, they'd be my positives. Do you want me to go on to my two negatives as well? Yeah, go for away? it. Yeah, go for it. The negatives, number one for me, too many loans, just far too many loans in my opinion. We've got seven loan players in the squad. You're obviously only allowed mm. five on a match day. So, for me, you're just looking at conflict there straight away. I, I just don't think it ever works when you have more loan players than you can physically use. We've had that situation in the past, I think, and it's it's tended to be things that managers do when they're panicking. I remember Ratcliffe bringing in loan players for fun when he was trying to keep us in the football league, and we've seen <laughs> it from other managers over the years, and it just doesn't work. You know, God bless him, I love the guy Graham Turner, but he went a little bit loan crazy when things were going wrong for him. It just, I, I say, yeah, seven's too many. I know one of them is because of a goalkeeper injury, but even then, it's six loan players and. Yeah, that, it's not what we were promised, is it? The manager talked a lot more about having squad with our own identity rather than having players that were only here for a short period. So, yeah, I'd like to see one or two lesser there. And then the other negative for me, probably the goalkeeper position, actually. I feel a little bit sorry for Harry Burgoyne and I'm not sure what it does for his morale and potentially morale of others when he keeps seeing lone players brought in above you when you haven't necessarily done that all that much wrong on the pitch. So I just find that... I'd I'd love to sit down with Sam and get the understanding of why that's happened because it all seems a bit odd to me. 
Yeah, interesting. He mentioned it in the post-match interview, didn't he, about Harry Burgoyne saying, I have utter faith in him and, um, you know, he's there and he's mm-hmm. got to take his chances to play. I thought, well, if you've got that much faith in him, you wouldn't have brought another loan keeper in to take a place off him straight away. But it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, before I go on to mine, just picking up on some of the points Chris made there, I think, you know, I, I would agree um, with the Clark thing. That would have been one of my positives. But yeah, the loan the loan issue is is interesting, isn't it, to have six because they can't all be in the squad, obviously. Um, Sarkic will be out for a while, so that kind of takes that problem away. But yeah, we, you're right. We haven't quite reached Graham Turner standard yet, but we've got another January transfer window to go yet, Chris. So you never know. We might we might be able to get that up towards ten by the end of that window. So it'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on, Ollie. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What about your positives and negatives, Ollie? Before I go back to mine. Yeah. So for me, um, I think signing Clark, High and Fossey are three really quality kind of players. Even though two of them are on loan, so we have brought. I think we brought a bit of quality into the squad. Um, and also, while I do feel sorry for Harry Burgoyne, um, he hasn't done. He did really well in the games since the Borough match, um, and I think uh, I think it's only right. Even if you bring a lone player in, you know you've got to earn your right to play. And I think Harry deserves the chance to try and keep his shirt. So I felt a bit that was, I thought was a bit poor. Um, in terms of negatives, um, only having one left back is clearly an issue. Uh, you know, Goldborn, bless him. You know, he's he's not he's not in his mid twenties. He's a bit older. He's, I'm sure he seems a very fit bloke, and he seems to be look after himself. Um, so that's a concern, and also a big concern that yeah, we might have some numbers in wide position, but we only really have one recognised, experienced wide player in Sean Worley. So most every game this week, uh, every game this season, sorry, we've played um, with two wide players or two wide forwards. I think only having one experienced player there is it's a bit of a shortfall. So yeah, the, the squad is very unbalanced. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think my, for my positives and negatives, a couple of them covered. I think all three of us, when we when we wrote this down the agenda, all three of us put Clark down. And again, I put it down. And yeah, the man is a, a proven talent, um, a goal getter. And I think he will be something that we can build around as the season goes on. Um, whether we will get the required service to, to get as many goals as we hope you'll get, that's debatable in my view. But um, the, the front three have got to get better at some point, you'd imagine. So yeah, Clark again. Um, and for me, you know, we kind of talked about specific players there and Chris pointed out high, which I think I would agree with as well. But for me, my second positive was that the squad's pretty deep. You know, we we think about it being maybe too deep and there's too many players on the books and that's going to be one of my negatives in a minute. But we do have cover everywhere than left back, you know, for pretty much everything. And, and you know, it might not be, you know, a little bit of a, of a sort of out of position thing, but we could get away with it. So um, there's definitely been seasons where we've had much less um, squad depth than we've got now. So I think I think that is a positive thing. But in terms of having squad depth, I one of my negatives would be the right back position. We've, we've somehow ended up with way too many right backs on the books. Um, when you already had Rashawn Williams, who can do a job out there, Sears, Miller, uh, Fossey and Love. That, that's five players that could all do a job at League One level at right back. And for me, it's it's one too many really. Um, and Ollie, you mentioned the other side. Then we've got the opposite problem. There's absolutely no cover at left back. So yeah, to me, that the right and left back situation is is a bit odd. Really, one's totally <laughs> totally overstocked, and one's completely empty. So um, yeah, we'll probably have to address that in January. But unfortunately, the ship has sailed. Um, unless yeah. we get free transfer, free transfers, I suppose, Ollie. Yeah, so there's three transfers to come in, but we'll have the. It's quite funny. Pacific Shrew was saying we'll sign a left back, but he won't be fit until February. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's, it's really weird the right back. So Sam Ricketts didn't even mention Love in his post match when he was asked about right backs. He talked about Miller and Fossey. And then we've got Sears can play there and Williams can play there as well. Mm. So we've got like, yeah, five right backs and one left back. It's a bit weird, isn't it, Chris? Like we all did you watch the England game in the week where everyone complained about Gareth Southgate playing too many defenders and too many right backs? Do you think Sam Ricketts has been following on from Gareth Southgate? <laughs> well, it's a similar men- it's a similar mentality, isn't it? Where you look at the players <laughs> available for Southgate and you think that they could be a lot more attacking. You look at the current England team and maybe feel a sense of frustration. And that's what Shrewsbury fans are feeling right now, isn't it? What are your points yeah. just now with about the strength of depth in our squad? Interestingly for me, one of Sam's big things this summer was he was going to bring in quality. He really wanted to bring in players that impact on our starting eleven. But actually yesterday, nine of those 11 players were here at the end of last season. There were only two players in that starting lineup yesterday that are new to the club, and that was Clark and Jamboree. Unless I'm wrong, yeah. correct? Oh, sorry, the goalkeeper as well. Three, I, I'm Ilyev as well. So, But outfield players, only two of them yesterday were new new players to the club. So I just worry that he's brought in numbers, but not necessarily brought in enough that's really going to impact on the team and make a big difference. I think that's fair, Chris. I think we, he talked. The, he used the word quality, didn't he? I'm going to bring in quality in the last three weeks of the transfer window, and Clark is quality. But you're right. I think it's it's a wide squad. It's a it's a deep squad. It's probably quite a robust squad. Um, as it got a huge amount of quality in it. 
so far this season probably doesn't look like it but yeah but probably a bit too early to tell that now but yeah do, do you think he achieved when he says I was going to bring in quality Ollie would you say that he gets a tick in the box for you know adding quality or does he get a tick in the box for just adding more numbers like Chris pointed um, out I think he's added quality he'd probably get a tick but it's a bit of a I think your question was quite broad um, probably from reasons mm. to have a bit of debate um, yes, he did bring in some quality in goalkeeper. He's um, brought in quality with Clark. Um, High looks like he's got some quality. Um, so, yeah, there are a few quality additions there. Um, yeah, there are a lot of numbers. Um, and, yeah, numbers like Tracy and players like that. Um, Fossey, I think, mm. is quality another one again. But it just seems to be... I'm sure he's tried really hard. Um, and I'm sure it's been a very, very challenging window with players like we saw Junior Brown sign for Scunthorpe today. Well, why didn't that happen before? I'm sh- I think it's fair to assume it's about negotiation and players holding out for, for wages. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure over the next few weeks we might sign a player or two um, as a player maybe gets a little bit more desperate. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to keep keep your eye on that. It'd be interesting to have a look around who played for that Wolves team in 2014, Ricketts and Clark and Goldborn and, <laughs> um, you know, I can't really think there's one more, isn't there? I'm forgetting now. You know, it'd be interesting to see who was the left back because <laughs> we could probably, well, it was Goldborn, I suppose. Who was Goldborn's Goldborn, backup yeah. in 2014? Yeah, we need to find out who was backing him up and get him in. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, yeah, out of, if I was going to give it a mark out of 10 as a transfer window, Ollie, I think I'd be pitching it around a six or a seven. I don't know if any of you two advance on those numbers, really. Advance, no, if anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the five to six category. Okay. They can prove me wrong by, you know, obviously results will change my mind on that. But right now, I, it's, a, it's kind of meh for me. I, I didn't feel that excited when, mm. and I suppose, as the window closed, I looked at the squad and thought, you know, we're still, we're still a mid-table team for me. Yeah. What about you, Ollie? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, say similar. Um, obviously, need to see, have a bit more time to really judge the players um, in terms of how good they're going to be. Obviously, the course of the season will tell. But, yeah, you know, if, if, if High disappears, doesn't really get a chance. Um, you know, uh, if Tracy doesn't play, um, you do question those those those, um, those signings. Well, all I can say is that transfer window was one of those boring, you know, the final day, you know, the, the transfer deadline day. It was probably the most boring transfer deadline day we've ever had. Like, no action at all. No rumours, nothing to get excited about. So, yeah, best best we move on from that, really, and, and transfers, and, and we've had our say on that. And, yeah, the transfer window shut. We, we had our squad in place then for the, for the league football, and we were straight into action, um, visiting AFC Wimbledon away. So we'll move on to that. It was no more than Shrewsbury deserved. The cross coming in from Billy Askew, signed on loan this week. The finish from who else? Gary Shaw. Vintage Shaw, really. So, Saturday, uh, trip to AFC Wimbledon. And, yeah, it was a 1-0 win, but certainly a result that doesn't tell the tale of the game. Um, with our goal coming from Leon Clark in the 91st minute late, late show. Um, look at a few stats, Ollie. Uh, yeah, every- Wimbledon, it's interesting, isn't it? Where they are basically one of our sort of bunnies. I think it's the opposite of a bogey side. Is I think in cricket, if you, you get someone out all the time, bogey side, that's yeah, sure. yeah. Whereas it's cricket, cricket terminology is if you if you're the other side of being the, the bogey team, they're your bunny team, aren't they? So yeah, we're, we're doing all right against Wimbledon over the last few years, and um, yeah, we've only lost once to uh, to Wimbledon really since they, they established themselves as a club again after what happened with the franchise FC. So yeah, it's nice to have a team we've got the edge over. It doesn't happen too often, it feels like. Um, but if we look at our win sort of form recently, we keep updating on this really, Ollie, and two wins in the last 18 league games before um, Saturday. So now that's three and 19. Um, but if you go back a little bit further, it's five in the last 21. Um, so not the best, really. We need to start adding a few more Ws to the column after Saturday and certainly got to improve on that, really. Um, and then, interestingly, we're going to go on to talk about shots, I'm sure, during this game. Um, and, yeah, we've got five league games now, so we can compare that back to the sort of opening five games of last season. Um, and like last season, in the opening five games, where we were sort of lamenting the early stages of Ricket Ball, um, which was actually getting points at that point in time compared to, to this season. But, yeah, three of the games in both seasons, in the opening five games, we only had one shot on target. So it's a pattern that's repeated itself in both the, the seasons that Ricket started, really. And, yeah, to go to go three games with only one shot on target um, from the opening five is pretty lame to be honest with you um and this season it's resulted in two less points which is a worry but i think you know to throw a question here before we get into the team selection you know that that amount of goal scoring opportunity we're going to talk about chris you know to, to only be threatening the goal once in a game of uh, three games from five that is a pretty worrying stat isn't it it's terrible it's a shocker in the space of saturday <laughs> that that saturday's one opportunity came in the 91st minute didn't it so yep, we, we were heading yep. we were heading for a complete blank in terms of shots on target yesterday until leon clark popped up uh, I, it, it's it's unfathomable, isn't it? Because 
the approach this season does seem to be different. Certainly, you know, we're seeing a lot more of the ball. The stats tell us that. We're, but we're obviously not seeing it in the right places because we're not. We, it's not constituting chances in any way, shape or form. And it's very frustrating because I watched the Portsmouth game on the opening day of the season. And the first half hour of that game, we were tearing them to pieces and it was quite encouraging. And obviously that was on the back of a 4-3 defeat at Middlesbrough where we'd also been very enterprising. But basically, I think since about half an hour in at Fratton Park, it's, it's like we've stopped. And uh, mm. it's just really frustrating because mm. since then, nothing I've seen suggest- has been anything like what I saw in that, in that first opening half hour of the season. And yeah, it's just, it's just unfathomable and it's frustrating and it's boring, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I look back, <laughs> you know, I've been watching Shrewsbury for 30 odd years now and there was a period in the late 90s under Jake King where we were pretty damn dull as well, but the club had excuses for that at the time. You know, we had financial constraints and all kinds of problems. Uh, but uh, with the exception of maybe that little period, I can't remember a time when we've been as dull to watch as we are right now. That's a fair, it's a fair point, that Ollie, isn't it? And I think you know it's worth us bringing that stat up up front. Really, right? two seasons in a row now we've been this anemic, and it did pick up last season from the fifth game onwards. But the patterns repeat itself twice. You know whether Ricketts maybe likes to be you know very cautious at the start of the season. I don't know, but it's worth pointing out at this stage, Ollie, isn't it? Because it, it, this game is one where we can kind of try and understand why that's happening. You know, we can say it's boring, it's dull, it is all those things, Chris. It's infuriating, but this game maybe gave us a few ideas as to why that this keeps happening. So. Who was playing, Ollie? I suppose, is, is a good starting point before we start to talk about whys of these things. Yep. Um, so there's a few surprises in the lineup. Um, Ilyich came up in in, in goal, um, and Goldborn, Pierre, and Evans Landel, who we kind of expected to start, but Williams came in at right back. Um, it was noticeable that none of the other right backs were in the squad, so I assume either they were injured or isolating. Um, yep. So we're not sure about that. Well, you say um, injured post match, Ollie. So he said, yeah, he, he said they had niggles. Yeah. But. Don't want to be too rude, but you know, it, get trying to understand the state of injuries in this club with Sam Ricketts is pretty damn and difficult. He is <laughs> quite a keys his, his cards close to his chest, so yeah, I've got no idea um, why I wouldn't like to guess on, and I necessarily wouldn't take his word that they're injured because yeah, there always seems to be something, um, you never mm. clear, which is sensible sometimes, but it is a bit just frustrating as a fan. Um, then we played. Um, in midfield, we played Norburn, Sitton, we had Zambia um, and Novella in midfield, and with Barnett on the left, Cummings came back into the side on the right, and Clark started again up front. So, Chris, is that the kind of team that you expected, or a few faces that surprised you? Uh, we've talked about the goalkeeper situation already, so that definitely surprised me. I will hold my hand up though and say nothing wrong with what Ilyev did, made a couple of good saves, and you know, when we come to pick our top three in a bit, he'll certainly be in mind, but I still feel very sorry for Harry Burgoyne. And then the right back was the other bizarre pick, wasn't he? Again, you've just touched on it, but it seems odd to me. To, if, if all three of we've got three right backs, not many clubs at this level will have three right backs. We'd be incredibly unlucky if all three of them are unavailable. And it's just it, it's it's baffling that to me. Other than that, was I mean, you, you've got to say on paper it looks a decent midfield. I know you can't really argue too much with the attack, and it's great to see Ryan Barnett getting a run of games. I hope he's given a couple of more and gives a chance to actually take it off, you know, take some enter place in the team. It'd be great to have one of our own playing regularly. Yeah, he's definitely a bright spot in a very, you know, dull start to the season, isn't he, Barnett, in terms of getting games. Uh, my only comments, really, other than what, what Chris picked up on, is looking back, really, probably a bit harsh on Walker and High into some respect. You know, they've not been awful in the games that they've played. Clearly, he's gone for some experience in Vela, um, and he wants to play Norburn, club captain, and, you know, he's one of his guys, isn't he? And Zamburic coming in. I don't know. Looking back, maybe that was a bit too soon. Obviously, he played that EFL trophy game that I didn't watch and apparently he was really good, but um, he didn't stand out to me like High has in his, his early games. Oh, so, um, I wouldn't yeah. say, yeah, he, he was bright, but he didn't. He wasn't as, been as effective as High. Um, so, yeah, he looked caught in moments. He looked like better than High in terms of some quality bits of play. But, know. yeah, he, he's, he kind of he did drifted away and he drifted a bit in this game as well. I mean, if I was high, I'd be questioning the manager and asking why I didn't start. And I wouldn't be surprised if high comes in for the team um, on Tuesday. He's clearly got high hopes for Jamberek, though, hasn't he, the manager? The way he speaks about him, he obviously thinks he's an exciting player. He, uh, he, Brentford spoke well of him. I'm not entirely surprised if the manager thinks he's got a player there who's possibly a bit of a coup for us in having got him in the first place. He's going to play him. And, you know, who knows what the contract is with Brentford in terms of whether we have to play him as well. And 
He likes Vela. He likes Norburn. I wasn't surprised by the midfield as much as I feel sorry for Scott High and how well he's done. But I, my suspicion is Shambarek will get a couple more games yet to at least get a chance to get settled in and make his presence felt because they clearly rate him. It's, it's Walker. It's Walker and Norburn for me. Like I, I can't believe I'm saying I'd rather have seen Walker play, and I'm not sure I would have done really. But I still feel like Norburn's a waste sitting as deep as he sat in that game. I, I much prefer him as a more of a front foot footballer. He didn't really you get an opportunity that. that Saturday. Yeah, you say that, Glenn, but. Does Norbert ever offer any assists? No, but he's he's lively up front, isn't he? We missed we missed some energy going forward on Saturday. I don't think Zamburuk or Vela are those sorts of dynamic players going forward, or they didn't I'm show up on Saturday what, for me. Um, so, so yeah, sit next to Phil, and Phil's always been really critical of Norburn, and I'm starting to side with him a bit here. Like he, he, he sitting deep, every, all of his passes were sideways. When you look at his paths map, it's pretty pathetic to be honest for your captain just to only pass sideways throughout the whole game. Um, maybe that's why Port Ricketts thought he'd put him there so he can influence the game, but that was a bit of a he failed down, you know, he failed down Saturday. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like he is a bit more combative, but yeah, I want to see him set up some assists, I want to see to see some through balls. Um and at the moment none of the midfielders really have kind of fought for their place, apart from maybe Walker, which mm. I'd agree with. Walker's probably been the best midfielder we've had all year. Um he's been the most consistent player, and at least he does actually try to put the ball forward. Um, so yeah, lots of questions, and I think the midfielders in particular should be um, should be quite embarrassed with their performance on Saturday. When I think about Ollie Norburn, and it's one for Chris, he's been watching the team a lot. I'm starting to think that he's slowly morphing into a sort of younger version of Kevin Kevin Summerfield when he played for the football club. You know, bit of a sideways passer, sat a bit deep, um, was his captain most of the time. He was at the club, I think. Occasionally, he was captain. I remember as as well. I don't know. Is that an unfair comparison, Chris? Looking back and thinking about Kevin Summerfield. Depends what you think of Kevin Summerfield, doesn't it? Well, I actually yeah. like Kevin Summerfield. I think I did, he's an experienced yeah. footballer who did a decent job for us at times. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I'm Oliver Norburn and I'm compared to him, I wouldn't be offended by that comparison. No. I no. defend no. Oliver Norburn a little bit from what some of what you said. To be fair to him, I do. I actually, I used to be not a huge fan, and he won me around to a large extent. And while he hasn't been brilliant in the early games so far this season, let's not forget that the guy's coming back from an operation. He's been out for quite some time. Yep. Whether it's the right call that he's starting at the minute, that's not his fault, is it? That's in the hands of the manager. I would, I would say that you know he deserves a bit more time before we start talking about writing off Oliver Norburn. Yeah, but I'm just saying he's not this. He's not a Paul Evans type, or he's not a John Nolan. He's not a. He's, he's not famed no. for his creative and assist making. Um, that's why I do. It's, it's very specific to that question about him sitting versus central field. I don't think you really get much difference from him playing in those two roles. Um, and I don't think it's like you you get a much less of a player him sitting um, compared to him playing a bit further forward. That was my main point. I totally agree. And I, I, I don't write him off. I still think he's a good player. And I think there's more yeah, yeah. than he's been shown recently. And, and what, what concerns me is if he is going to be the one that sits and, and does the role that maybe Goss was doing last season, that's fine. He can do that perfectly fine. He can be the one that plays it sideways. He can monitor, he can control, he can win the ball back. And he is good at that stuff. Just for me, you can't really play someone like Vela in front of him. I don't think he's as anywhere near as dynamic as I thought he was. And you need a bit more dynamism in those two in front of him. Otherwise, he's always going to fall into the bracket of an underperforming midfield when actually... Norburn probably went out on Saturday and did exactly what he was asked to do. Sit there, control it, you know, pace it. It didn't really work, but it's probably what he was asked to do. He wasn't asked to get bombing forward by Ricketts, obviously, on Saturday. So he probably just did what he was he was told to do. He's a good pro like that, hasn't he? So, yeah, I'd I, I like to see him in a more attacking position, but I doubt it's going to happen this season. I, I think Goss has gone, personally. I don't think Ricketts trusted him. I don't him think you can say Ollie Norburn's done what he was told to do when the manager said the players didn't follow the instruction. True. True enough, I suppose that's fair. But who knows? He might have just been talking about some players. We don't really know, do we? But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're going on about the team. It's it's led us into a whole load of conversations, which is good because um it, it was a sort of one of the parts of the reason. But game started. We were obviously all working on uh, iFollow on Saturday, weren't we? Which again, I didn't have any problems with watching on iPad. But I'm aware, Ollie, that some of our fans that follow us on Twitter were having big problems again, which is which is rubbish. And um I suspect Brian will be getting a few emails, but I just wish that we could get rid of these niggles now because it's starting to really knock a lot of fans off and make them not want to um not want to put the money into the football club, which is a shame. So that needs to be resolved big time. Um but Dunny was back on commentary, Ollie, which was good. Um obviously having self-isolated for a couple of weeks and don't know, it just something felt a little bit more right in the world with Stu Dunn commentating on a on a Shrewsbury Town game again. Yeah, it was good to have him back. Um, yeah, such a good commentator. Yeah, it was good to have him back back in the seat. Yep, was. And then, Chris, the start. You know, obviously our best period of the game, let's be honest about it. And, you know, they, they did make a good start, didn't they? Quite, quite, quite. Uh, you know, att- attacking a little bit. We didn't create any chances, but you, you couldn't really say anything other than that was the best period of the game, I suppose. 
Yeah, so for a start, Glenn, I think I need to make a confession here. So yesterday's, okay. uh, yesterday's game, I did not pay my £10 on iFollow. I listened to it and I followed it. <laughs> and you can ask me why. You can talk about I'm sure we'll talk about iFollow. I, Go on. I, I, did not feel, I did not feel motivated to pay £10 to watch Shrewsbury Town at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, on Saturday, I was quite happy listening to the joint wisdom of you two and Stuart Dunn. As a trio, you gave me more than I would have got watching that game, frankly. That's a worry. <laughs> well, yeah, Dunny's fine. I'm not sure about us, but yeah, I, that's a good point. And it's probably worth the discussion point. I was kind of intimating to it there, but it is, I think fans like us, you know, I, we know Chris has been on the podcast a few times and is, is super huge to town like we are. It, it, fans are finding it hard to justify that £10 all the time, aren't they, Ollie? Yeah, it's going to be very expensive. We've got a, basically got two games a week coming up now until January. And yeah, if you haven't got a season ticket, that's going to cost you basically 20 quid a week. Um, and when you have the crap service that you get, I still haven't had an under, un, undisturbed game. Mm. A game where nothing has gone wrong. Um, yeah, I lost audio um, commentary for ten, five minutes on Saturday. But yeah, it is a, is a is a is a something that the club needs to try and fix, um, especially as yeah fans. Are, some fans will be in fi- financial trouble um, as with COVID and all that kind of stuff going on. Yeah, I, I think that the message for us, and I know that we sort of talked to a few people on Saturday about it, didn't we, up through DMs and via Twitter and, and other things. And the more emails Brian gets about it, the more likely he is to, to be able to put something out on the website to say, look, we appreciate fans having these issues. And as I said, this is an, this is a, a, one of very few revenue streams for football club at the moment, isn't it? The I follow money. And if the service isn't good and it's just put people off over the first five to six, seven games we've had in, in all competitions, it just isn't great, is it? That, that would be something we'd be hoping to recoup a little bit of, of funds back from. So, yeah, I completely understand, Chris, why you didn't watch it, and and that's fine. But it, you know, we were quite good at the start, mate. So you missed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the money. It's you know, when you're at home hiding somewhere, it depends your situation. I've got you know, I've got my wife and two children at home, and it's hard to justify to them that I'm hiding somewhere in the mm. house watching Shrewsbury play dreadfully against Wimbledon while my wife having put up with a seven-year-old and a five-year-old kicking off somewhere. You know, so I, instead of doing that, I was doing things with my children, you know, while trying to follow and listen to you guys. And I'd like to think I've had a fair reflection of how Saturday went. And unfortunately, right until the 91st minute, nothing made me regret my decision. No, I think you made the right decision in all honesty. It was, it certainly wasn't worth £10, Ollie, was it? And, um, no. you know, we had that question at the start about, do I regret, regret, doing, regret doing a podcast? It's things like that when I hear that from Chris, where you think maybe, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I'm being too positive. But yeah, you, don't worry, Chris, you'll get to a point where you can force your children to watch the games with you and then you're in golden time then. So I, I pretty much reached that point, which is good. So um, yeah, <laughs> going back to the game, away from the annoyance that is I follow, yeah, the, the start was good, Ollie. Obviously, we watched it, and I don't know what did you make of that opening period. Yeah, we were, we were bright. Uh, we had some good possession. Um, we made some inroads into the final third, um, and then, yeah, um, Cummings would pass the ball backwards. Um, at least he was a bit more accurate of his passing this week, um, and he, he was, you know, at least retaining the ball. Clark couldn't keep the ball at all. Um, but it's fair to say, I think that I think Barney probably had the, the better of the front three in the first half. Um, it was six minutes in, he put a good cross into the box, but unfortunately couldn't find Clark. Um, a couple of minutes later, a good cross from Cummings, um, but well defended by Wimbledon. Um, and yeah, this is how we were yeah, kind of attacking. When we'd, we'd get the ball, we'd pass it around a bit, keep possession um, and get the ball into the box. But wasn't really finding a man, which is a bit bit frustrating. Um, yeah. I was quite pleased to see this, this next bit of play. So basically Wimbledon were going to take a free kick and they took it really quick. And try to play it basically behind us, um, but um, Sambaret was really on the ball, saw the ball, reacted to it, and saw it out for a goal kick. And I thought that was nice to see that you know a player even of his young age, um, he was aware to see that. Yeah, that was a good moment from from Zamberek. Um Yeah, I, I think he's one of those foreign lads that's got a name I can pronounce, so that's a start, Ollie. Um, but yeah, good reactions there, and, and showed that he had a little bit to his game. But as I mentioned in the warm up, you know, from from sort of fifteen minutes onwards. I think the midfield really drifted out of the game, including Valor as well, and um, and he did the same as well. So uh, it was nice to see those opening flashes, and he, he had a good couple of touches, and he went past the player down the left wing at one point and looked decent. But I don't know what happened to him; he just he just went out of the game really, which was a shame. But as I say, too early to write him off. It was his first game I've seen him play, um, and yeah, he did show that he's got a little bit of something in that moment, Ollie. But um, you know, he wasn't the only midfielder that, that disappointed. Um, going back to another point you made there about Barnett. Obviously, we're kind of coming up to the first 15 minutes. And to me, it's a concern that 
Barnet is consistently the best attacking player that we've got, considering he's a young lad who's you know only just coming into the game. But to me, yeah, he's doing really well. But to me, it shows more about how some of the other players are under underperforming at the moment. And it's it's been a bit noticeable that he stood out, Chris um, Barnet, in these opening games because other attacking players have sort of flattered to deceive a little bit, really. Yeah, I'm going to give him credit, though. It's also credit to the fact that he's clearly developed a lot this season. You know, it's not that long ago that it seemed pretty obvious Sam didn't quite rate him. He kept lobbing him out to Telford, you know, he'd come in for the odd uh, EFL Cup game or whatever, and then he's off somewhere else again. So it's nice to see that suddenly, whatever's going on in training, the manager thinks he's worth giving a go. And he's he's not letting anyone down, has he? He looks the part. The only th- He's added a couple of goals in the Cups. I think the, the thing that would really cement it for him now is if he can turn that into goals in the league as well. Yeah, but he's trying chances. So compared to Cummings, he put five balls into the box where Cummings basically did one cross and two passes into the box. So clearly he's trying to get the ball into the box and he's trying to create opportunities for Clark, which is definitely encouraging considering mm. the vast majority of our players um, just pass the ball sideways um, and were and no threat um, to the opposition. Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, Barnett's all, all, almost already it's weird because he's been out alone. He's played a few games over a course sort of three seasons, and he's almost he's almost had sixteen games. Well, sorry, he's almost had twenty games for the club now. I was going to say sixteen. That was his sixteenth game now. So two goals in sixteen isn't too shabby for a young lad breaking into to his sort of um, start starting role, really. So yeah, I think there's more to come from Barnett. I, I think he's fantastic, and as I say, I've said this on the podcast a lot. I like young lads coming into our team who, who are local, really. So more more of that, please. Um, but yeah, as I said, fifteen minutes. That was it. That was the good period done, as far as I was concerned. We definitely faded out of the game. Um, and from then on, it was sort of Wimbledon creating the better chances, despite not having much of the ball. Um, we certainly had it a lot, but didn't do anything with it. And on 15 minutes, Ollie, we, we got our first view of um, Ilyev as a, as a sort of goalkeeper and what he was going to bring, um, who made a really good save from from that Piggott header. And I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, good bit of play. Um, uh, and it's a good bit of play from, from the Dons. And yeah, it was really fun, isn't it? Because Wimbledon thought they'd scored. They did. They certainly did. And they played the crowd noise. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was a bit naff. Just have an empty stadium. That's just no need. Plugging in fake noise over the tannoy for me is a bit naff. It is what it is at the moment, isn't it? And um, that was it. And and, yeah, you're right pointing out Cummins was doing better retaining possession, but he was very anemic again wasn't he during this game um and we just we couldn't create any chances from that point onwards despite us having what was it 66 percent possession at one point and just couldn't couldn't be a threat um which is interesting because we were lamenting not having much of the ball last season weren't we ollie and, and letting teams come on to us and soaking up the pressure so there is a difference in terms of how we're playing against some of these smaller teams but it isn't yielding any more chances as we talked about so um yeah that, that was interesting and then yeah a minute later obviously um we started to get some yellow cards worrying for free banks and pierre both probably I think one was a bit harsh, uh, thinking back to it. But um, yeah, both centre-backs on a booking is never a good idea, is it? Yeah, I, no, I thought both of them were yellow cards. Okay. Um, right. and that poor defending from both of them, to be honest. Um, not really working very well as a team there. And, and it's a bit concerning when both centre-backs get booked within, within two minutes of each other, um, halfway through the first half. Um, yeah. It's not, not a good start. And, and yeah, we said, so at this point, we're up to about 66% possession. But then after that, the game just faded. Uh, and we just faded as a as an attacking threat throughout the rest of the game, which is pretty pretty demoralising considering there was 70 minutes of the game left to go. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then I'd say it's probably worth saying that Wimbledon started having the better chance now. So we've already talked about one. Um, and then 29 minutes in, Stryker dribbles past Ebanks. Um, got completely wrong-footed, flat-footed, oh, yeah. shot across the box. Um, a really good opportunity for Wimbledon. Um, and, yeah, at this point, um, well, I think it's maybe worth saying me summarising the half and coming back to yeah, the front, maybe question, ask you about the front three, Lynn. I thought we were definitely back in, in, in Ricketts ball territory. Mm. Lacklustre performance. Manager says he wants to see attacking football. Attacking football, my ass. Like, that was not attacking football. No shots on target. Utterly dire, so boring, um, just utterly, utterly devoid of any idea. Um, and it was just crap. First half was just we did like we didn't even want to try and score. Um, and the, you were impressed with the front three, were you, Glenn? No, I've got a question for Chris in a minute as well, which I'll come back to. But yeah, I, the front three, I mean, Barnett, after that first 15 minutes, drifted out of the game. But Clark could not get in the game at all. And and that's maybe not his fault so much because the, the service to him from um, Zamburak, Vela and particularly Cummins was absolutely diabolical. Cummins is, uh, he's a busted flush at the moment. I love the man. I, I've been really positive about Cummins. But Christ, every time he plays at the moment, he is not bringing anything to the party. You know, if he's been played out of position, you 
he looks to me like he's playing like a guy that's like, oh, well, I'll just do this. I don't really enjoy doing this, but I'll get on with it and try and do as much as I can. But he doesn't seem particularly asked with much, you know, doesn't seem to chase too many things down. I don't know. I'd like to see his numbers, to be honest with you. But I, I, I'm really disappointed with Jason Cummins because he's such a quality player, you know, that we've seen over the years doing it at other clubs. And and Chris, do you think we're kind of Jamie Curitaning him already? You know, he, he really has kind of... he's. he's Scored a couple of goals in the LDV, I suppose, this season. But I don't know. What, what's gone on with Jason Cummins, in your view? Well, for me, I mean, we are, in, in, to my eyes, we're not playing him in the right place. I mean, I know you guys had a chat with Sam, didn't you, where he said that he is, he, he play, he's a he's a right forward. I don't see yes, it. Yes, he did. I, I, no. I just, I'd love to, you, in a different formation, you could imagine him looking, him and Clark being a deadly strike partnership. They've actually got a lot that's complimentary about each other. You've got the big, strong guy who's all with an eye for goal and the, the nippy poacher next to him. You'd imagine they'd be a pretty good partnership. But in the system that we are playing, it's not working for him, is it? He's cutting in from the right wing. and it's just He's not a winger. I mean, I think Ollie talked about Barnett getting the ball into the box more. Yeah, Barnett's a better winger than Jason Cummings. So if you're going to start playing Jason mm. Cummings as a winger, he's not going to keep his place in the team for long because he just doesn't suit him. It doesn't suit him. And it's a real shame because, as you say, I, you know, you look back to the Liverpool game last year, but it wasn't just the big games like that. He was in the league as well. He was delivering. He always looked our biggest threat, but we seem to have managed to find a way to take a real gem of a player and, to, yeah, turn him into Jamie Curiton. Yeah, he's got, he's got 10 in 38 now. You know, that's one in four. Uh, for us, this football club, which isn't great, is it? To be honest with you, and, and it's only this season he started not playing in a more central role. So you know, this this should, this should we should be getting more than sort of ten goals in forty games out of him. To be honest with you, Ollie. Yeah, coming I, I time. Mean, I guess the question is, how many games do you give a player, and how many times mm. do you experiment until you've had a fair test? He probably hasn't had enough yet to completely give up. But yeah, he's not. We're not getting him in the danger areas. Um, he had one shot in the game. Just going back to to Clark, I think. Um, I can't really criticise Clark in this game. The service from... And let's focus on Awful. the two more experienced central midfielders. Norburn and, and Vela were, were, were dire. Um, and, yeah, Clark didn't really have much to run off. Yes, whenever he had the ball, he, he was completely swamped. Um, and the passes he got were quite hard to control. So he didn't really get too many opportunities. We didn't go long, which I guess is a benefit. So we didn't really... We weren't playing that kind of style. But I'm not really sure what style we were playing, apart from just, I think it was... Um, sideways, stodge, total stodge. I'm starting to be unconvinced by Vela as 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 much as his Mark Elliott always talks up his League One record and how many goals he scored in League One. And you know he had that one game. I think he scored one goal this season, hasn't he, in the league? But man alive, he did absolutely nothing on Saturday. And um, you know, for, for all we talk about Dave Edwards being injured and stuff and then being old and maybe not having it. Christ, Dave Edwards looks like a more dynamic player than Vela half the time, even with him crocked most times. So I don't know what to do with midfield. It was it was so passive, and I, I'm being a bit harsh. I know we won this game, but I really watching we this game. If anyone watched it, it was frigging yeah. awful. I, I'll, it was total shit to be honest with you. And we got away with this as we go through the second half. But so yeah, yeah, you're right, Ollie. It was it was just rubbish, wasn't it? I suppose. And and we have a second half, which as I said, we wouldn't take us too long to talk about. And I think I tweeted you at halftime saying you were probably not going to be making many notes during this game and you certainly probably didn't make hardly any during the second half. No, so yeah, I've been getting into the habit of trying to make notes during the game just to kind of make the editing a bit easier. Um, yeah, I did make one page of notes on an A3 pad in the first half, wow. but in the second half, um, I made three notes in the whole game. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was frustrating. Um, yeah, we it took us, well, I guess in the second half, we did have a shot, so hallelujah for that. Um, Cross came in from Barnett, Good control and turn from Cummings, and he shot on goal. And going back to what Chris just said, that is that is trademarks Cummings, you know, using his his control and his and his kind of awareness to get a shot on goal. Mm. Yeah, and and then after that, I thought, oh, we've had a shot. Okay, maybe this half's going to be better, and it wasn't. From forty six minutes to sixty three, nothing happened in the game. Like Wimbledon weren't even that good, to be fair. Yeah. At that point, in time. I'm still not convinced they were brilliant, but it wasn't even much of a fun listen to the commentary was it Chris you know obviously you're saying you just do it on the radio but you know 46 to, to 63 minutes I imagine you could have just probably nodded off at home oh. uh, uh, Ollie's just touched on basically there was one instant wasn't there Jason Cummings had a shot in about 46 minutes and then basically nothing until we won the game and yeah, yeah. It, it was just awful I mean Wimbledon didn't have much going for him but if anybody was going to win that game you, it was them all day long wasn't it or at least that's what obviously what it felt like it turned out differently thank God but yeah we, we offered nothing it was funny actually and obviously we watched that game you know Piggott who played up front from the big lad you know considering he was isolated for so much of the game I thought he actually did all right for a big bloke playing up front he kind of got it down and did did some nice work he was probably 
one of the more impressive players for Wimbledon for me, Piggott. Yeah, he was he was he was quite lively. Um, I guess you mm. question his um, accuracy because um, he didn't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, in terms of stats, in terms of yeah, so we had we had two shots in the whole game. Um, they had ten, only three on target. So you'd question about their their accuracy. Yeah, and the, one of the only highlights. Well, there was a few highlights in this half, but none of them were really related to actually exciting football. No. There was one point where they had a shot and it smashed his own player in in the face, and he that went down. Painful. It looked painful. I'm also worried because it looked like a good shot. So <laughs> I think we might have been in trouble. So that was a bit of a, of a reliever, really. Um, and then there was a bit later on where uh, Ricky gets, there was a throw-in and I think it was Pierre or, or Goldborn was going mad about a throw-in being awarded that he thought we should have had. And Ricky just went mental at the referee and started shouting at him and the referee walked over and booked him. And um, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting one on that. A lot of people yeah. saying, oh, I can't believe he did that. Is, that. is that passion or was it a bit moronic? Normally, if someone's getting passionate like he was, I like to see it, but it was about a throw-in. It wasn't about a throwing, Glenn. It wasn't. It was. Oh, was it? No. no. The reason he got booked is because um, Sam Rickus was getting frustrated that we, the referee was not giving us fouls, and then the referee gave us a foul and started laughing. And Sam Rickus oh. didn't think it was very professional that a referee was laughing when he gave us a foul. So I think he's actually probably if that if what he said is true, and obviously that's his version of events, I can see why he might be a bit knocked off by that. It was yeah because I heard the players shouting about a throw in at the time, so that's why I thought it was. If that's fair enough, then fair enough. But um, yeah, he certainly certainly lost his cool, didn't he? And he, he'd been yeah. talking about being a bit more friendly with referees, didn't he? One of the interviews <laughs> that season, and that seems to have gone. But uh, there we go. Um, what else happened? We had a nice we little move. Walker on, didn't um, we? So at this point we yeah. brought Walker on, which I'm not surprised actually. I thought it was actually quite a good move. He made it quite an early sub. So 66 minutes, he brought Walker on. Um, which was a probably good move considering how poor we'd been passing. Um, and it didn't take very long for him to actually kind of influence the game. He, he take plates on a nice long pass. He'd come on, he'd look at his passing, uh, passing map. He tried to pass the ball quite long and quite get the ball moving. I mean, he put, puts the ball into Cummings, who finds Clark, who passes to Williams, who puts a cross in the box. And to be fair to him, it wasn't, a ba- it wasn't too bad a cross, but there was quite a few times in the half where Williams got into those positions and I really like Williams. He's a really, really good player, but um, you know, crossing and getting the ball into the box is not his, his strong point. No, he's a centre back. Yeah, he's a centre back, isn't it? He's a good centre back, but he ain't a right back, especially especially an attacking right back in this in the formation and style that we we need. Yeah, I, I like I like Williams as well, but yeah, you're right. He's a centre back and um, a, a really good one. And I say when we're we're playing more pacey attacking units, I think I'd rather him in there sometimes. But yeah, that was it really. There was another save from that Piggott, which really I've did a good save from and really started to show he was definitely becoming one of the best players on that day. A lot of social media negativity. Chris, uh, I don't know if you were watching too much on Twitter other than what we were posting, but people were starting to get pretty frustrated and bored and angry as the game went on. And, um, you know, social media is the only way we can really judge how fans are feeling at the moment because we're not seeing each other. But there was a definite sort of moody vibe, wasn't there, in the second half? Yeah, I was probably guilty as many, as, as, as anyone. <laughs> I, was having, I was having a little bit of a strop a few times. It was yeah. It's, I think people are just frustrated, aren't they? It's, it's doubly frustrating. We can't go to the games, and when we and when we are having to follow, and it's just and nothing's changed. It just feels like you know six months on here we are again watching a dull mm. town team. Yeah, I think people mm. were just losing their rag a little bit. Yeah, that's fair enough at that point in time. And then the game sort of did slightly swing a little bit more back in our favour. I think from eighty-four minutes, Ollie, on the, the change of high. Um, and then, and sort of, I think a minute later, he brought a, a doe on at the same time, didn't he? And those two brought a little bit of energy, I would say. Um, and it was a doe's energy, really, that kind of helped helped us save the game. And um, he got in down the down the left hand side, won a corner really nicely, just for a bit of persistence. And and that that's the moment that's changed the game, really. So I think you got to give a doe some credit there. He was he definitely came on with something to prove in that little couple of minutes. And um, persistence did pay off. Yeah, it did. Um, I thought we actually looked a little bit better, oddly, in three-five-two, which is a yes. little bit dangerous. But maybe that was just because we had um, a doe and another option up front, someone to occupy um, the back three of, of Wimbledon. Um, but fair play to a doe. He wins the corner. Um, Vela takes it, and he gets flicked on by Wimbledon player, and Clark comes diving in at the back post where he wasn't supposed to be. Um, and that meant that we scored four goals in the season, um, which is much better because otherwise we'd have had three and five, which is pretty shambolic. Um, but yeah, we scored. Obviously, we're absolutely delighted and chuffed we'd scored. Um, and yeah, thank God we did because, yeah, it was another poor performance. It certainly was. And that's what Clark's there for, isn't it, Chris? You know, you know, it was a good moment. The win was a, it felt like a total steal. But yeah, that's where we want Clark, isn't it? Right in or amongst the box with some of these half chances coming in. And he, he looks like he's probably going to be the sort of guy who can, can take more of them than he'll miss them, I suppose. 
Absolutely, and I, you know, I have seen the goal, and it's a blooming good goal, actually, better than it. Yep. Well, at the time, it sounded like you know, it sounded on the radio, almost a bit scrappy, bundled over the line kind of thing. But having watched it, it's a really good corner routine, actually, isn't it? It's a good header from Wood, a good flick on from Ido, and Clark's really thrown himself in. You know, it's a good diving header. He's shown a bit of courage mm. to get there, and he's finished it well. So it was a quite, you know, for all that we've talked about how poor the game was, like, it just shows, you know, we, we only needed 15 seconds of quality to win that match in the end. Yeah, and I think that brings us to Wimbledon, Ollie, you know, how, how how they were as a team. I mean, yeah, they were very well organised and very well drilled. Um, not quite as shithousey as, say, a Wickham last season, but they'll be pretty hard to beat playing like that most most games this season, I reckon, and they won't have much of the ball. Um, they'll probably do enough to be in or amongst the sort of relegation scrap at the end of the season. They don't look like they're going to really push push beyond that, I suppose. Maybe. I think it's, uh, yeah, there's maybe a bit of, I think there's a bit of maybe positive for them in terms of how they play. Maybe they can put something together. Um, they are 11th, mm. so they've got a lot more a lot more points yeah, than us true, so far. But yeah, I think and yeah, I think a lot of teams and probably it might be a season where the whole bottom half is in the relegation fight. And if yeah. that's the case, I think they'll be in that mix. But but I don't think there's I don't think we can draw too many conclusions from that performance. They created more chances, enough chances to win, really. Um, yeah, and that's why where sometimes fans can go either way. You know, you can lose a game, play really well, and everyone's like, "Oh, we lost." But also, I've seen a few fans get a little bit almost critical of fans that are being critical because we won. And yeah, football's not as simple as that. If that was simple, just watch CFAX. Don't even bother watching or even listening to the game if you only <laughs> want to see the result. Um, because yeah, that was, it was not a good performance. Um, and no. the, um, Clark, even he went against the manager's orders and, um, and thank God he did because he got the manager three points. Mm. And, you know, Chris, it, it, we, we talk about the performance and the result. For me, we were talking about this sort of pre-match um, yesterday. And, and, you know, there was a lot of people saying, I want to see performance, I want to see performance. One of you, you were one of them, weren't you, Ollie? You, you were thinking, I want to see us play well. And clearly we didn't. But really, when you've gone five game, four games at the start of the league season without a win, the win is just massive. You, re- you have to get that first win in the first five, don't you, really, to kind of kick your season on. And so, despite how negative it was and how frustrated everybody was, the, 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 the three points can't really be underestimated, can they? Three points are massive, Glenn. I mean, that win was something we really needed and it's lifted us, you know, we're talking league tables at a point when it doesn't actually mean a lot, but it's lifted us to 16th <laughs> in that table. Let's remember, we also have a game in hand. If by some bizarre reason we managed to win that game in hand, right now we could be sitting 10th. That's where we'd be. With oh, win yes. The start to our season on paper, an outsider would probably be listening to us whinging and thinking we're a right bunch of moaners because we've actually only lost one in one of the five games, drawn mm-hmm. three, one, one, and on paper it looks like a you know an average okay start. That's how an outsider would look at us right now. You know that if you know if Sam Ricketts was sacked tomorrow or something, probably three quarters of our fan base would be saying thank God for that. And then outside, everyone else would be saying, Shrewsbury have gone mad and they're showing everything that's wrong with football and all that kind of thing. Because mm. on paper, we're not doing that bad. So it, it's an odd one, isn't it? It's an odd one. But the, the result was all important this weekend, that's for sure. And it's who knows, maybe it will give them a lift. But they're not going to win too many games playing like they did on Saturday. That's I will give you a stat, Chris. Sam Ricketts has won about 25% of his games as, as, as a League One manager. So, I'm not sure anything would too much. Just lost, Ollie, because one, one thing you notice with Shrewsbury is we don't have to draw a lot as well. We do I draw a lot, a minute. but yeah, oh, Glink, Glink can come to that. But we scored 0.8 goals per game last season, we scored 0.9 goals per game. Yes, um, of the last five, and um, we haven't lost, um, but. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more progress. We'll come to that when we can have a bit of a discussion shortly about where the manager is. Maybe that's worth doing the top three. Um, Glenn can find that stat and we can come back to that when we go have a bit of discussion where Sam Ricketts is. Let's do the top threes and probably finish this game off. So, Chris, who did you go for first? So, I feel a fraud doing this because we've already talked about the fact I didn't watch the game. So, I, I, I can't give the, as good an opinion as you two. But based on what I've heard, based on what I've seen, my man of the match was our goalkeeper. Yeah, no, I think that was fair. Cool. Um, I went for Iliev as well. Um, I went for Barnett second and Goldburn third. And who did you go for, Glenn? Yeah, I went for uh, Iliev first. I went for Gold, uh, Goldburn second and I went for Clark third just because he scored a goal. <laughs> no, no one else reached out to me. Sorry, guys. Yeah, exactly. Say, guys, that's the power of watching it because my second was going to be Clark and my third was going to be Barnett. But you both mentioned Goldburn, so that's yeah. interesting. Just listening. I think we went for Goldburn because he didn't do anything wrong. Um, well, everyone else probably did do enough wrong to not get warranted. Um, I don't think any of the midfielders 
um, um, deserve a place. Um, Central no. Shield deserve a place in there. No. Um, I've done so, a bit of excelling, Ollie. Quickly, go going back to win percentages that we were talking about a minute ago. Yeah, so he's won 26% of his games now after Saturday. Um, and in terms of draws and losses, they're both equal on 24 draws and 24 losses. So 37% draw, 37% loss. So I don't know, is that more or less than what you would have assumed, Chris? Well, 37% loss equates to, this is, um, so I'm being sad here, that's about 16 defeats <laughs> a season. Most teams yeah. who lose games will stay up. So you, yeah. on paper, he's going to keep us up year after year. If he can, I'm given he's into his third year now. He, 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 everything about Shrewsbury under Sam Ricketts to me feels like a team that finishes 15th, 16th. And it's just whether you're willing to accept that. I'd be willing to accept 15th or 16th if I enjoyed it, but I'm not sure I could enjoy endure another you know three four years of watching the football watch we're watching at the minute. I think I'd rather go down and start again under another manager, frankly, if we carried on like we are. Well, I, do, I wouldn't want to take the risk of going down at the moment with everything going on in football. If, if this kept us up this season, I'd take it. It'd be crap. I wouldn't particularly enjoy it very much, but it'd be, it'd be mission accomplished, really, if he finished 16th still this season. It, we've not got much ambition, have we? But, yeah, I don't know. It needs, it needs, we definitely need to start to get up to maybe, you know, equal the numbers for wins, draws and losses. That would be a starting point. And he's, he's got to win a few more games to catch up those, those at the moment because it's 17 wins against the 24 draws and losses. So, yeah, certainly needs a few more wins at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so what does Sam Ricketts have to say? Um, well, first, let's maybe start with his body language. His body language was angry, um, and folded, <laughs> um, folded um, arms, and he was not happy. He's pissed um, off, Ollie. Yeah, he is. He's very pissed off. So, yeah, I'll come, I'll come back to his first comment because I think it's worth a discussion. So basically he said he's very happy with the three points. Um, Ilya made some good um, chances, have saved in the first half. Very steady game for him. Difficult change to make. Right backs, he was out without Fossey and Milner. And as I mentioned already, no mention of love, which is a bit odd. Um, yes, we didn't play well. The issue was the build-up play. A misconception were not creating chances. And he went on this rant about 19 chances in certain games and all this kind of stuff. Been um, a while. So not, not sure who he's listening to or where he's got that from. Um, yellow card for Sam Ricketts. That's the first one he's ever had. Um, and then in mm. talking about, you know, in periods where we are, you know, um, you know, we've got a, basically, we're a period now where we're going to have a game every every week. So it's going to be interesting to see how we get on. Um, and then maybe was the most important point um, is that he said, and we were not good today. We set it to play a certain way and I didn't see it at all. And then he goes on to say later on, he says, the players know very well why we didn't play well today. Everything was poor. Maybe a bit of trust in what we want to do. We had a good chat after the game and the players spoke about why, we, why it didn't work. And that for him is gold. So discussion over to you, Chris. Are you concerned that you have a manager um, reporting in his post-match, which you've done many yourself, um, that the players are not listening or following his instructions? What I will give him points for there is the honest... It's nice to hear him give an interview yeah. where he actually answers a question and actually is honest with us. I, I, mm. I was fully expecting another interview yesterday where he'd come out and say, the lads have battled to the end, they've scraped it, we've got a goal at the end, it's wonderful. He did say all that. <laughs> but there was a little bit of honesty there, wasn't there? And I quite liked that. And mm. in terms of, it depends what he means by that. He's not going to give us the wherewithals of those conversations. But I would suspect, you know, we've talked about Shrewsbury's possession this year, it's where they're having that possession. And I would suspect he's asking them to be braver in the opposition half in terms of trying to keep the ball. Whereas, in fact, what's happening is we're passing it backwards and forwards across our own half. And as soon as we cross the halfway line, we revert to long ball again. We seem to lose the courage to try and play decent football in any, in any dangerous areas. I'm hoping that that's the issue. And what he's saying is he's looking for the players to, take, to be that little bit braver in the attacking third. If it is, then, you know, I just hope that over time he can actually give them the confidence to do that. Because... Certainly, you can see this year we're trying to keep the ball. The stats don't lie. We are keeping a lot more of it. It's just, yeah, I would like to see where we're keeping the ball because it feels like we're obviously not keeping it in the right places. I think that's fair. What's your view of the manager's comments on, on the players not following his instructions? Well, I think Chris is right. You give him credit about doing an interesting interview because, frankly, I give up listening to them post-match. Uh, I obviously recover what's gone on the next day, but I didn't listen to his post-match interview because I assumed it'd be the same 
some old sort of dr- dr- droll, dr- boring nonsense. I think someone mentioned his interviews have become more boring than um, than John Askey's now, which maybe is a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, they've not been the most interesting. But yeah, he doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't really ever hang players out to dry. He doesn't ever come across as overly critical to the lads. He's always got a, a reason and, and some some thoughts about why things didn't go quite his way. So I was fascinated that he went there so early on in the season. And to be honest with you, he might as well do. You know, he's not a daft man. You know, if if you were a Shrewsbury Town fan and you were really really disappointed in how we played yesterday despite us winning you were in the majority because that's what Sam Ricketts and the players felt as well so there's no reason for us to be worried about being negative because clearly Sam Ricketts thinks there was a good reason for fans to be worried about that performance I hope that he you know recognizes that he's he's, they picked up on it the players have picked up on it and maybe this is the thing that they can get to work now and they can understand where they're making mistakes and you know, try and get a bit more front foot football. But as Chris pointed out, you know, yeah, he wants them to be braver. But really, he's just spent a year battering most of these players from from being, you know, particularly expansive. We've had a whole season last year, you know, 34 league games where really it felt like watching them pretty much every game. Sam Ricketts was coaching out the excitement and front foot football out of them. So if he's trying to change that this season, it's going to take a while. And, you know, we've had five games and hardly any shots on target. So it's going to take a while to do that um, and, and for them to get braver. So I think it's fairly good reading of it by Chris. But yeah, more exciting interviews like this, please. Lose your rag a bit more often. That'd be great. <laughs> Well, hopefully you have reason not to lose his red that we actually win a few games in a row. Well, but yeah, I know your sentiment. I know what you mean. I, was just, I bet Stuart Don was delighted and, and Lewis Cox. You know, Ollie mentioned I've done many post-match interviews after the years and all you're looking for is the manager to please say something interesting. And it, I, I would, Sam's interviews would be hard to write a story on quite often. So yeah. I'm sure they were just delighted he actually gave them some quotes for a change. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure Lewis Cox is very pleased with that. Just on the shots, Glenn, just to kind of put um, a bit of context to what you're saying about not having many shots. Against Gillingham and Plymouth, we did have nearly 10 shots, like nine and eight or somewhere like um, So it's a few more than two, but I get your sentiment. We're not scoring many goals, um, as we said many I, a time. I'll, I'll counter your stat, Ollie. Yeah, we had nine against Portsmouth, Plymouth and Gillingham and two against Wimbledon. We had 19 against Northampton. So the average is somewhere around nine, 10 shots. The way we ended last season was 13, 13, 17, 17, 21, 17, 15, 10. So our average shots in a game has gone down from where it was last year as well. Just, that's despite us playing what most people perceive to be a less, a more attacking formation. Well, so yeah, nine, nine me, is just, better. Which is brilliant because, you know, people I see sometimes, particularly on Facebook, play two striking and you'd be more attacking. Well, you play four at the back and we actually have less shots. So it's not about <laughs> formations, is it? It's about how the players perform in that formation um, and yeah. how we work as a team. Um, which actually is maybe a segue to my question I've got for you guys. So, so how many games has Sam Ricketts now managed in the leagues, um, Glenn? 65, isn't it? I think it was 64 or 65. Yeah. I can't so remember. 65 games in the league. And that covers three seasons. So obviously some of them you've got to give him a bit of a benefit at the back because he came in and took over after after Askey. But yep. have you ever seen from Sam Ricketts a functioning football team? And what I mean by that, a Christ. team that can defend and can attack. And I'll go to I'll go who I don't know who wants to go first, but the question is, have we seen a functioning football team from Sam Ricketts? And he's been here for over sixty games now. Uh well, consistently, or you're asking to pick out individual games or consistently, consistently seen a functioning football team. Oh, I mean, consistently, the evidence would be no, wouldn't it? We haven't scored enough goals throughout his reign. And towards the end of last season, when he did change things a bit and we started scoring a few, ironically, we started shipping them as well. So, no, mm. we've never we've, we've never managed to bring those two things together. There's been flashes. There's been the odd game where you thought this side looks like the business. I remember I remember going all the way down to Kent for the 2-0 win at Gillingham. And we were really good that day. And, you know, we could have won that game by more, frankly. And there were signs there. And, you know, even... Some of the big games, you know, I think of when we played Wolves at this first season, and you know, this, the team were playing some really good football that day. But how, when, when have we done it consistently? Yeah, we just haven't. We haven't done it consistently. I mean, we've already, we've barely won two league games back to back under Sam Ricketts. Um, I'm just trying to have a look at it now. You know, we've done it twice, maybe maybe three times. I'm just trying to have a look now. Yeah, I think we've done it. No, we've done it once. <laughs> So we've won, we've won league games back to back once under Sam Ricketts, and that was back about twenty games ago. So you know that isn't any kind of consistency, Ollie. And 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 the FA Cup runs and different bits and pieces have probably unsettled us from our league form at times. And he's had that as an excuse. But a functioning team, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a weird terminology, I suppose, in some respects, because the man can coach defenders to play well and keep clean sheets and and keep the goals out. You know, clearly a talented defender and a talented defensive manager. You know, you got got to give him credit. There are some clubs that that's prized at. Um, and and you know it's not it's not that we're cr- crying out for you know exciting football. We haven't seen it for a very long time, as you keep pointing out, Ollie. So 
you know, is it a functioning team? Yeah, it's a functioning team that would get you mid-table in League One pretty much every season. But is it an exciting functional team? Hell no, it's not fun to watch mm-hmm. at all most of the time. So I think I think we're I think our inconsistency makes us a mid-table team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the odds and the odd win here and there and the odds like we did on Saturday makes us mid-table. I don't think we're mm-hmm. in any way functioning, and that's the thing that for me is a bit of a concern. Um, that he's been here a long time now. He's been here long enough. Um, and we're not really seeing much progress. You look at other teams, like Eva, I know it's not the great best football in the world, but look at Gillingham. Manager comes in and, and gets a style of play and starts winning games. And I'm just a little bit concerned that you hear the manager saying the players were, weren't, weren't following his instructions. Um, and we're keeping this cycle all the time. Of There's always some reason, there's always new formation, there's always some new players, there's always something. I'm just getting a little bit frustrated with it, to be honest. I felt that over the last few weeks with Ollie, and I don't think that's an unfair comment. And I think that a lot of fans do feel like that. For me, I kind of almost feel like the season's just a bit of a write-off. To be honest with you, if we stay up, if we stay up. It's fine. You know, COVID, financial issues, bailouts. Um, we, you'd be naive as a Shrewsbury Town football fan to think that we're suddenly going to become attacking and score goals. But that's that isn't what, that's what the manager. That isn't saying. what our manager's shown us. Yeah, yeah, but, but he's it, saying it, Glenn. So it's bollocks, though, isn't it? You, yeah, but if I keep telling you, I'm going <laughs> to do something for you. I'm going to cut your lawn every week, and I never do it. You, you start thinking, well, this guy's not talking the truth. He keeps all the players. This week, when Zambiek signed and Miller signed, he said they both said that they signed because of the attacking football. <laughs> No, Sam Ricketts keeps talking about attacking football. So if he's going to start to keep talking about attacking football, it's about time we actually saw it. If he doesn't want to play attacking football, don't tell us he's going to play attacking football. So that's why does that make sense? I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's a fair point, Ollie. But um, I don't know. We, we will revisit this, I'm sure, as we go on. Yeah. I don't know if you've got anything else to add on Ricketts, Chris, before we move on from it. No, I think we've said enough now on Sam Ricketts. Let's move on. Yeah, I think I agree with you there, Chris. And to be fair, we did have a couple of questions as usual, and it's always good when we get um, questions for the community. We had one from Dan Hoff, um, and we had one from Mark Lynch, the Shrewsbury Spur, and, and I think we covered it. You know, one wanted to talk about I follow um, Mark, and Dan was asking about that contradiction between whether we play well but get the big three points, does it really matter? Um, and then we obviously talked about um, his second point of his question, which was asking about Ricketts and his negative approach. So I th- thanks for the questions as usual. I say any more, fire them into this outcast in the week, and we, we always bring them up as as we go through it but yeah that's it really an interesting week tricky to watch but um three points massive um we obviously didn't predict the scores right ollie as usual because we're terrible at that sort of thing but yeah we've got two well, games we this week before we, we move on quick we didn't do a podcast last week did we because we picked True enough. the rovers game so we never actually oh, yeah. this game i was just looking at the last week's agenda going rovers did we mess up but no the game was cancelled so we had no prediction oh, there we, go. So we need to we need to predict um next saturday um, so. which is rather Rochdale at home isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and then we've got Bristol Rovers at home on Tuesday so a bit, uh, before we go to just giving a couple of predictions Chris a, a big week again because two home games you know we're obviously not going to have the vociferous crowd behind us but two home games where you'd be expecting to get something out of them maybe one win would probably be good enough um, don't know what are you expect out this week in general you look at those two games and Bristol Rovers are a team you'd think on our day we can beat Rochdale certainly are They're, they've had a worse start than us so, you know, there's a crazy scenario where we win them both. We've suddenly won three in a row. I know you say we never do that under <laughs> Sam, so I'm probably going completely... Never done that. You know, by next weekend, you could be having a podcast where you talk about Shrewsbury Town on the verge of the playoff zone. You know, it's just... Yes. <laughs> Let's get optimistic yes. here, guys. It's possible. Why not? But, uh, yeah, it's too early in the season to write it off, Chris. You're we'll, completely we'll, right. We'll make sure, Glenn, that you record this bit in the podcast and we can <laughs> edit it and clip it and keep it as a clip. Yeah, that would be good, to be fair. But um, I don't know. In terms of the, this week, I think we'll probably win one and, and maybe draw or lose one. That seems to be the traditional pattern for Sam Ricketts. I think we'll probably end up winning um, against Ro- Rochdale at home and we might draw against Rovers on Saturday uh, on Tuesday night. So I'll go for us to win 2-1 next Saturday against Rochdale, mate. Cool. I'm going to go for 2-1, just have a differential to you. But yeah, I reckon we'll probably draw against Rovers and there'll be uh, probably a few changes to the team, I imagine. Mm, yeah. What do you reckon, Chris? What do you reckon the result will be against um, Rochdale at home on Saturday? 1-0 Shrewsbury. 1-0. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going 1-0. I'm going 1-0 for that one, definitely, yeah. Another classic Shrewsbury performance. <laughs> How, many shots way, do you reckon? How many shots do you reckon we'll have? <laughs> home game, at least six. At least six, four. It's going to be entertaining. And you'll watch both those games because you'll get them free, won't you? Absolutely, I'll be glued to him. I've already actually put my pass in for Tuesday, so I'm oh, all he's, set. He's, he's worried. He did that because he was worried it wasn't going to work. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, we had the we had the code today, didn't we? So yeah, happy code day to all the town fans. Um, 
that'll do. This has been a long one, but it's been quite an interesting one. You know, normally we'd come I'm on and talk about the, the new Glenn. That's yeah, I don't know what's happened to be honest. I think I'm just quite. I don't know. I've got a general. It's a bit weird. We're not going to the games, and my hatred of the top flight of English football now after what's happened this week. And we didn't even talk about that, Ollie, but we definitely right. need to at some point. Uh, my malaise towards okay. football is growing week on week, and I need to go back and watch the Tang game because it's killing me watching it online. I, I'm finding the whole experience quite depressing, to be honest with you. Not that I'm depressed, but it's just it's not much fun. Um, and that, regardless of even if we played that well, watching online and streaming it on your iPad every week is just not great. And uh, I just miss miss the live football. And yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of writing the season off. If we stay up fine whatever and i can get back in the stadium next year and watch some actual football and that's that's kind of where i am at the moment ollie it's not great is it yeah actually just maybe just worth actually a comment actually on the big picture so i did an email Brian, shit move on asked to chat to him <laughs> um and he did actually send me the four pages that were sent um by the efl to the, all the clubs and it's fair to say that the the four pages didn't have much in them uh, there was nothing really in there for you to get kind of worried mm. about um and i think probably the thing brian's kind of message to me was you know, there's no details yet, and there's a long way to go, and let's not get too carried away. Um, I know it's very easy. I get very frustrated as well. Um, but I think we'll come back to this. I think I think the funny thing is, is we haven't done a podcast in two weeks, Glenn, and I think we could have mm. done a, a podcast. If we did a podcast every day on this topic, it would have been changing position. There's about yeah. five plans out there now, um, and I think it's fair to say there's a long way to go. There's a lot of questions about the chairman of the FA and Rick Parry and their role um, mm. in protecting lower league football, but... Yeah, I think there's a long way to go on this. We, we, we will revisit it when there are more firm plans. And I think you tweeted out in the week a couple of good podcasts that have done some, um, yeah, done some some stuff on it. So yeah, retweet those D4 after this one as well. Is really good yeah. with Matt, Matt Slater, um, and I think yeah, it's one of those things you just have to keep abreast on. One mm. thing I would say is um, on Friday before it came out, and basically all the Premier League teams knew about this big project thing. It was, uh, and it's likely that one of the fourteen actually leaked it. And the Friday before it came out, the Premier League gave an awful deal to the EFL, which said that basically if there was you know, a certain percentage of games not played, then there'll be no relegation. Um, so I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of games going on in the media at the moment, and the teams and different people with different agendas using the media to try and rile the fans up. Um, and, but hopefully, you know, if this Gary Neville plan maybe comes to the fourth, maybe that will be the number one plan and the fans will have a say in that one. Um, He's a sleeper agent for Man United. You've got to watch out, Ollie. You know, you can't, you don't know who to trust nowadays. I don't want to get into this. It's late on a Sunday night. I've had a good rant about the town. I've enjoyed chatting with you. And um, I think, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of bridges to cross yet. So, yeah, thank Chris for joining us. We'll try and get another guest on next week. But you're great, great work tonight, Chris. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us again. Thank you very much. I don't no get problem. to have my rant about Project Big Picture then. No, we might we might record it and play it out. We 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 were talking about doing a special on it, but frankly, my heart's not in it because everything just kept changing all the time. But we will revisit it, Chris, and we may ask for your comments. Yeah, don't worry. You maybe ever do a special separate pod. We've done an hour and fifteen minutes. I don't think people could could tolerate another half an hour of it. But um, yes, thanks for joining us, mate, and we'll get you back on again as the season goes on. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week, won't we? No week off for us, Ollie. Two games to cover. Yeah. So who knows where we'll be next week? It'll either be death, doom, and gloom again, or it'll be, uh, it'll be Chris's you know, play- in on the playoffs. Exactly. So, yes, we'll catch you all next week.